Iowa everywhere. Ready, Hawk fans? John Miller is going in-depth with analysis and breakdown. Answers, insights, and a look ahead to next week. It's Hawkeye Sunday with John Miller. Only on Iowa Everywhere. Hawkeye Sunday reaction. John Miller here with the Iowa Everywhere Network. Um... We'll focus on football for this installment of the podcast. Um, we'll be getting into basketball a little bit more and more as the winter goes along. But I've got football on my mind right now. Um, Iowa loses 24-17 to Nebraska. Iowa falls into a 17-0 hole uh, in the first half. Um, the first half was about as bad as college off- offensive football can be. Uh, it's going to be a theme warning for this installment of the podcast. Um, Iowa still had a chance late to tie the game um, a couple of times. Both of those times uh, went for not as uh, Alex Padilla was unable to get the team down the field. Padilla, 16 of 33 for 141 yards, one touchdown, one interception, a completion percentage of about 48%, which is about exactly the same completion percentage he had last year in all of his action. Um, came in for Spencer Petrus, who was injured in the first quarter after Spencer was sacked and uh, injured his, uh, looked like his throwing arm on the play. Padilla came in, and I get it, he hasn't had a lot of snaps this year. But he looked like it was the first time that he'd ever played quarterback at the college level. And again, he's playing behind that same challenged offensive line that Spencer Petrus has been playing behind this year. And I really think that um, it's up for debate whether which offense was worse, the 1999 Kirk Ferentz first year offensive line or this year's offensive line. If I said which offense was worth, I meant, I meant to say offensive line. I think this offensive line and the 1999 offensive line would be in a debate for the worst of the Ferentz era. One is year one, one is year 24. That's a concern, a big concern right there. Um, Iowa with 274 yards, which is actually about 25, 24-ish, 20, 20-ish yards more than they averaged per game this year. Theme warning, we'll talk about that coming up. Um, Nebraska, 329, 278 through the air. Big plays really hurt Iowa. And really what hurt Iowa was Cooper DeGene um, going out of the game in the first, early in the first quarter after a seemingly benign head-to-head hit he was coming to make a tackle his face mask collided with the face mask of a Nebraska player and DeGene was done for the day but it was clear on the replay that um, he was out he was out cold um, on contact and he did not return nor should he have but what a huge huge loss for Iowa and tip your cap to Nebraska uh, it's refreshing to see football teams uh, take advantage repeatedly of a personnel weakness they spot on the other side of the ball. And in this instance, it was the backup cornerbacks that came in to fill in for Cooper DeGene. And Nebraska went right at it 
and they went right at it repeatedly, as Jeff Brom of Purdue is wont to do when he plays against Iowa. He finds a weakness, he attacks it. This year, there just weren't any weaknesses in the secondary for Brom to go after and attack. It was DeGene and Moss and two very capable safeties. Debatably the best Iowa defense of the Kirk Ferentz era. And Purdue couldn't do anything with that. But when Riley Moss was a freshman, you know, Jeff Brom attacked him. And Nebraska attacked Iowa's backup cornerbacks in this with much success. Much success. And Iowa's not built to come back. Well, this Iowa football team isn't equipped to come back from a 17 to nothing deficit, but they still nearly did because Nebraska went Nebraska and did Nebraska things and, you know, fumbled and questionable decision-making, etc. Um, Caleb Johnson, 16 attempts, 109 yards, 44-yard touchdown run. Man, I, I hope he's around next year. What do you mean, John? I know of nothing. No rumors, no smoke, no nothing. But just ask yourself this question. If you have talent and ability on offense, are you not at least considering the transfer portal? I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't. My assumption is, is especially if I was able to get Caden Proctor signed on the early signing day, which there hasn't been a lot of chatter on that. Maybe, uh, maybe some Iowa booster uh, ponied up and uh, matched the bag that Oregon was rumored to have been offered. I don't know, but with Proctor next year, you got to figure when you're talking about one of the worst offensive lines of the Ferentz era, there's probably going to be a spot for Proctor, even though it's rare at Iowa. True freshman offensive line starters, it's rare. It's not unprecedented. It's rare, and even as highly ranked as he is, it's no guarantee that he's going to be really good from day one but you have to think that the offensive line is going to make strides next year but then again we thought that this year didn't see great body language from Arlen Bruce in this game um don't blame him you know he was one reception I mean you you look at the season stats and and there'll, there'll be time for that but uh, his body language at times during the course of this season has not looked good. I wouldn't blame any Iowa offensive player that wanted to leave. And honestly, I don't think you would either. Because, I mean, especially if you're a receiver. I mean, Iowa picked up a, a wide receiver uh, commitment this week from a kid from, uh, oh, what is it, Park... I should know this. My wife went to the same dang high school. I, Park Hill. Park Hill High School. Uh, a North Kansas City high school. 6'5 kid. Watched his film. Intriguing. Um, but I think Iowa was his only offer. And Iowa just offered him a, a week and a half or two weeks ago. To, to commit to Iowa as a wide receiver, you either have to be a visionary, a masochist, or you don't have any other options. Is that harsh? Yes, it is. How far, off, how far off the mark is it, though? Hmm. Iowa minus three in turnovers in this game. <sighs> Just a bad game. Just a, uh, a bad game from Iowa. And, you know, losing DeGene hurt a lot. So Iowa finishes the regular season at seven and five. I think if you had Iowa in the over, you lost that. And... <sighs> Yeah, let's just do it. I made a tweet thread on Sunday morning. You can find it on Twitter. At um, John D. Miller is my tag with John being spelled J-O-N. Uh, 
I updated Iowa's offensive and defensive NCAA statistical rankings in a spreadsheet that I keep. Um, and Iowa's rushing offense rank for the regular season, 122nd out of 131. Iowa's total offense, 130 out of 131. Iowa's scoring offense, 123. Iowa's pass efficiency, 122. Iowa's passing offense, 122. Um, If you take the total offense average rank of the Brian Ferentz era, Iowa's at 106 in the country. Greg Davis was 95th. Ken O'Keefe was 62nd. And if Iowa's offense had been just 62nd these last five years, they, they would have made maybe multiple playoff appearances. At least one. And if if I take those same, if I take these five categories, rushing offense, passing offense, total offense, scoring offense, and passing efficiency, and I average Iowa's rank of those five numbers together per season. This year, Iowa's average is 123.8. Last year was 108. Those are the two worst in the Kirk Ferentz era. 2012 is number three, Greg Davis's first year as coordinator, and that was 107th. Then 2007, the Jake Christensen season, 98. And then 2004 would, uh, 2016 rather, is 98.2. 2004 is better than all those. This was far and away the worst year of Iowa offensive football in the Kirk Ferentz era, last year being second worst. These last two years consecutively, the worst two years of consecutive offensive football since before Hayden Fry arrived. This year's offensive yards per game average by Iowa, the worst since the year before Hayden Fry arrived. And on the flip side, This year's Iowa defense was the most dominant across those same five categories. You just flip them around defensive instead of offensive in the Ferentz era. The reality is that this year's Iowa football team, the 2022 Iowa football team, was probably a two to four win football team like the 2012 squad was that had actually better statistics than Iowa had this year, but its defense was around 52nd in the country, averaging all those same previously mentioned five categories together. The 2012 Iowa defense was just above average. That team won four games. This year's Iowa defense was national championship caliber elite and maybe second only to Georgia. And that's why they won seven games. But this Iowa, these Iowa offensive numbers, two-win team, three-win team. I don't know in the history of college football, and I don't really know how I would track it unless I dove into statistics for two or three hours, and I really don't want to do that for how shitty this team is. This offense is, rather. I don't know that there's ever been this type of disparity between a defense and an offense in college football history. Where you have a defense that ranks fifth in total defense and an offense that ranks 130th 
in total offense, which is second from the bottom. Elite defense and horrible worst-in-class offense. Has there ever been a team that has that? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I would tend to doubt it. I would tend to doubt it. And my wife is upstairs vacuuming, and I had just got done telling her that I was going to be recording a podcast. But you know what? We're doing it live. We're not starting over. This is just fitting. And frankly, I'm not the one vacuuming, so I'm not going to complain. Historically bad. Iowa's yards average per game. These are the lowest numbers in, you know, this year, 255.4. Last year, 303.7. In 2012, 310. In 2007, 316. In 2004, when it was just Drew Tate and receivers, 312. In 1999, Kirk Ferentz's first year, 300.3, which is 45 more yards per game than this year's team averaged. In 1998, Hayden Fry's last year, 266.8. That was a horrible year. That team still averaged more yards per game than this year's team. 1993, 297.7. You got to go back to 1978, the year before Hayden Fry arrived. 222.6 this year's offense averaged 255.4 by all objective criteria Iowa has had the worst offense in power five the last two years and top five defenses those two years and no worse than top 20 special teams and at any other program in the sport there would be an offensive overhaul And not to mention the fact that this is more than just a two-year issue for Iowa. And as I said in my tweet, and I'm kind of just reading it right now, Kirk's built up a great deal of goodwill at Iowa, and you cannot debate that. However, at any other program in the country, what we've seen from Iowa's offense during Brian Ferentz's tenure at offensive coordinator wouldn't be tolerated, and it would absolutely end in his termination. Yet... Brian is also running the same type of scheme and system that Kirk wants. So that's a rub. Of course, then there's the nepotism, which is another significant rub. And I don't know if one, if, if you can even fairly judge Brian. I don't know. I, I don't know if you can f- fairly and accurately evaluate Brian's job as an offensive coordinator because of the limitations he has from his father and his father saying, you're going to do this. You can run this, but it has to fit within my paradigm. But regardless of who you want to heap the most blame on, Iowa's offense is broken. It's not irreparable in my opinion, but it's dead on arrival if they continue to do these same kinds of things that they've been trotting out for the past 24 years. And this is going to be a fascinating couple of months here in the off season, on the off season rather. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. Until the former player racial discrimination lawsuit is settled, dismissed, some type of conclusion, I don't think Brian Ferentz is hireable at another college job. And I don't know that he's even hireable in the professional ranks. And his performance as offensive coordinator at Iowa is not hireable for any other coordinator at the FBS level. So the questions, will Kirk Ferentz outright fire his son? Will he try to reassign him on staff, given what I mentioned 
before that Brian is likely unhirable and Kirk knows this and if he fires him then Brian is going to be out of his chosen profession for an indeterminable number of years until the lawsuit is adjudicated so that's why I don't think Kirk Ferentz outright fires Brian I think Brian's either your offensive coordinator next year or Brian's been reassigned to another position on the staff, which means somebody's got to go. Is it back to offensive line? Is Barnett out of a job? I don't know. But you know what? The offensive line has looked so bad, you could make that case. It looked a lot better when Brian Ferentz was the offensive line coach. And if you do that, who do you bring in as offensive coordinator? In my head, I think about Tim Polisek, who went out to Hawaii, who left Iowa as offensive line coach to be an OC for Wyoming, but does this Polisek want his next move to be a lateral move relative to job title, even though it would be a step up at Iowa over Wyoming, or he's probably positioning himself to become a head coach, so I don't know. I don't know. But we've all we all saw it. You all just witnessed the worst offense at Iowa since before Hayden Fry arrived and there are a number of you listening to this that weren't even alive for the Fry era or if you were you don't remember it and this was the worst Iowa offense since 1978 and when you consider that statement it's bad enough on its face but when you consider how offenses have continued to evolve and change over even the last decade to have this year's output be the lowest since 1978 it'd be bad if it was the lowest since 2008 because it's a different era of offense but 1978 this is all fireable this is all started over thanks for coming and if it weren't for a national championship caliber defense this team would not have beaten South Dakota State. They probably still would have beaten Nevada. Would they have beaten Northwestern? Maybe. There's two. Find me more wins beyond that. And to that, I say good luck to you. I mean, they they lost to Iowa State. You know, the teams they lost to, I think they're going to lose to. The, the games they won. Do they beat Minnesota? I don't think so. Do they beat Wisconsin? I don't think so without a national championship caliber defense. With just an average defense, this is a two-win team. And this is a circular story that it ended. It ended with uh, a win. Hayden Fry's last year was three. Kirk Ferentz's first year, I think he got one win. So it began with one win and, and, and questions, and it ends with two wins and questions but I am not sitting here saying that Iowa needs to fire Kirk Ferentz he's built up a ton of goodwill and he's a good football coach I just don't get his blind spot and his unwillingness to change to tweak on offense he doesn't have to have massive changeovers I've done that podcast too many times to count and I'm not doing it again you've all heard me talk about it before doesn't require massive changes and massive overhauls but it requires you to not make offense so hard on yourself and invite more trouble than you already have 
just by the formations that you run out of. It's it's really, really bad. It's really bad. I, I did a, a podcast following Iowa's loss to Nebraska in 2014, which prior to this weekend was the last time that they'd lost to Nebraska over 2,900 days ago. And at that point in time, I was saying that it was over for Kirk and he needed to go and the game had passed him by and this, that, and the other. You know, and then they went 12-0 and the next year. And I, I said that I'm done with the, you know, got to fire Kirk stuff. Again, he's he's earned his time to call the shot so long as he's not doing things that makes him a uh, less than desirable citizen of the state. Some of you may want to argue that relative to what happened a couple summers ago and the revelations from that. It's your opinion. But he's going when he wants to go. And I just wonder... You know, I had somebody text me this weekend. Do you think that there's any chance Kirk steps down? And I think at this point in his career, I think there's always a one in five chance every year that he decides, you know what, I'm I'm ready just to go do other things. I'm ready to step away from this. So I think there's always a 20% underlying chance at this point in time when you're 67 years old and you've been head coach at one place for 24 years that you just decide you want to step away and do something else. You want to spend more time with your grandkids, whatever it is you want to do. But I... That's your baseline of one in five. I think at I think at worst it's a two and five. I think it's at worst a two and five chance that he just steps away. But if he steps away again, Brian's not hireable. Well, John Kirk's made enough money. He can he can support Brian. No, no kid wants that. No father. No parent. No mother. No parent. No, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to have to live off the teat of their parent. I'm just assuming that because I've never been, you know, faced with that opportunity. Um, and I just know, I mean, I know my oldest daughter. I mean, she wants to make her own money. She doesn't want to just rely on dad. And I love that about her. And I think it's very, very important. So, no, I mean, I, I think that I think that even if Kirk had designs on wanting to step away, the Brian situation, given the unresolved lawsuit, thanks for snoring, Ginger. I think that that is something that maybe keeps him around. I don't know, man. It is it is a soap opera drama that we may be uh, embarking upon. Because I, I just think Kirk, down and deep in his bones, sees what's going on with the name, image, and likeness, the instant transfer eligibility stuff, and it is just a different game than the one he was brought up in. And I just, I don't think he likes any of it. So I, in normal circumstances, I could see him saying, you know what, um, this is the last year. We still made it to a bowl game. We still won seven games. Maybe we can still win a bowl game. I'm going to step away. But I don't think he can do that because if he does that, then Brian is unhirable in his chosen profession for an indeterminable amount of time. So I don't see Kirk doing that. And I don't see Kirk firing his son. I see Kirk potentially realigning his son. I think that's the I think that's the gamble. That's the um, the wagering here. Does Kirk uh, let is, is Brian Ferentz the offensive coordinator, coordinator next year or is Brian Ferentz reassigned somewhere on the staff next year? I think those are your two options. And honestly, some of you are saying, well, I hope he's not the coordinator. That'll be an improvement. Will it? Will it? 
maybe, maybe it could be. But if you think that new coordinator who's coming in is going to all of a sudden be working within a system that he gets to create that is changed and tweaked from what Kirk wants, um, I have not seen any evidence of that in 24 years, and I am not going to begin believing in fantasies now. Iowa everywhere.